church. And uh, we are two weeks into 2024, folks. And and as we make our way through the rest of this year, there is no doubt that we will all need direction. We will find ourselves in need of direction. And the Book of Proverbs, which Shaw just read from to us offers us just that it offers us direction more specifically what the book of proverbs offers us is wisdom wisdom something we need <laughs> let's define that word just for starters what is wisdom it's it's more than intelligence isn't it maybe you know some folks who are very smart and perhaps unwise it's more than the accumulation of knowledge you might say that wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to life circumstances. It does something with knowledge, with experience, and applies it to life circumstances. Wisdom equips us to navigate life according to God's design for the world that he created. So the book of Proverbs, it teaches us wisdom. And so what I hope to do today, and, and hopefully over the next couple of times that I'm with you in the future, is to offer you some wisdom, not from me, but from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom from God. In the pages of Proverbs, Jesus Christ himself comes alongside of us. And, and he's the wisest man who ever lived, by the way. And the wisest man who ever lived instructs us in the pages of Proverbs. He is wisdom personified, Jesus is. And, and he's not just an expert on life. He's the author of life. So who better is there to tell us how to navigate life wisely? So I'm going to read Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 again. I'm reading it from the ESV here. But I love, I love hearing it in these different translations. They all tease out certain uh, details that hopefully we'll, we'll touch on today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This is vital foundational instruction for living. This is teaching we can't live without. There, there are three directives here, and there's one beautiful word of assurance at the end. So let's look at these directives. The first one is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and the key phrase there for us, it's with all your heart. All your heart. Uh, can, can you think of someone who you trust, but with limits. Can you think of someone like that? Someone who you trust, but you trust them cautiously. Uh, or can, can you think of people who you trust really deeply, but not with everything or in every area. You trust them in some ways with some things, but not with other things. Perhaps we can think of lots of folks like that, because the fact is that generally our trust in people has boundaries. And it should have boundaries. We, we might trust folks in different ways and to varying degrees. But the book of Proverbs here is calling us to trust God without boundaries. Completely. Without reservation. That's what with all your heart means. And here's why we can trust him with all our heart. It's because, one, he cares for you steadfastly. His character is flawless, and he's competent in everything. I, I, I like to think of those as a, the three C's that inspire confidence in us. We can have confidence in someone when they have these three C's. They, they care for us, 
they are competent, and they have character. And when we don't trust someone fully, I think that it's usually because we fear that one or more of those characteristics is missing. Maybe this person cares about me, but they're incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. I can't trust them with, with, with my life. Or someone else, you might think, this, this person is smart and competent and able. I just don't think they really care about me. I can't tr- entrust my, I can't give myself to them. because, they, or, or in some cases, maybe they just don't have the character to sustain the weight of my confidence in them. And so when we completely can't trust someone, what we do is we, we give them limited access to our lives. It's the safest thing to do. But, but here, to guard ourselves, but here in Proverbs, God is telling us that he deserves full access to all of our hearts. You know, the, the Proverbs are ancient Hebrew sayings, and to an ancient Hebrew, your heart meant the core of who you are. It's the core of your identity. It's, it's what makes you you. And Proverbs 3, 5 is saying, you can trust God with all of who you are. Every part of your life. In fact, if you want to thrive, you must entrust your whole life, your whole self to this Lord. Many of us, many of us would probably say, I'm, I'm guessing this, and many of us would say, God's trustworthy. But that, I, I can say that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm actively trusting him, right? It doesn't mean that I'm functionally trusting him with all my heart. In fact, it may be that there are parts of your life that you don't trust completely to the Lord. You might not articulate it that way, but if we look closely, we might find that in some areas of life, you've really placed your confidence elsewhere. Maybe, maybe you've got God is plan A, but you've got a backup plan just in case God doesn't live up to his word. It sounds weird to even say that for me, and yet, and yet, I think, I think that if we were to look closely at the way that we live, we might say, might have to admit that deep down, we're not trusting the Lord with all of our hearts, not in every area. Here's one way to tell, here's one way to tell. Where, what areas of your life are filled with anxiety? What, what triggers anxiety? Now, I'm not saying that anxiety is always caused by not trusting the Lord. I'm not saying that, that if you suffer from anxiety, especially a, a, a serious kind of, kind of clinically diagnosed anxiety, that somehow the problem is you don't trust God enough. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that if you were to identify areas of your life that you're very anxious about, whether it's your finances, whether it's your health, whether it's your family, whatever it is, your career, is it possible that that anxiety in that particular area may be a window into the reality that you are not trusting the Lord with that. Is it possible? Is it possible? I think it's, a, it's often a helpful window. Where do I feel anxious? Here, here's another way to often tell if there's a part of our lives that we're not entrusting to the Lord. If you are unwilling to follow his counsel, unwilling to follow his instruction in some area of life, it's because you don't trust him. You don't trust him there. If he, is, if he has instructed you clearly in his word, towards something and you refuse to obey isn't that an indication that you don't trust them and we'll come back to that a little later i think but the second directive in this verse oh this is yeah the second directive in the sorry i put these out of order the second directive in this verse is do not lean 
on your own understanding. And the key word here is lean. Lean. It, it means, what does it mean to lean? It means to put all your weight on something such that, see, I'm leaning on this pulpit. Do you remember, some of you might be old enough to remember this. Do you remember when, when Bob Dole was on the campaign trail and he was leaning on a, do you remember who Bob Dole is? He was, he was a presidential campaign and, and, and it, was, it was a terrible event. He was at a speaking engagement and he's lead, leaning on a platform like this to make a point and the platform gives out and the poor man ended up on the floor. I was scared even as I leaned in saying that. I thought, what if it happens to me? You've seen these signs on the subway? You see them? Do not lean on the door. Why? Because that door might open at any moment and you might find yourself flat on your back on the tracks or on the platform. It's dangerous, but we do it anyway, don't we? Like this gentleman, he's fast asleep on that door. I think I've slept leaning on the door. Proverbs alert us to a danger. And it, it, it's, it's alerting us to the fact that our reasoning cannot, our own reasoning was not made to sustain us fully. And so, and so he, what the Proverbs is telling us to do is to shift the weight of our confidence off of ourself and onto God. Do not lean on your own understanding. Imagine a subway sign that said that. Do not lean on your own understanding. And, and by the way, God is not saying here, don't think for yourself. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't think by yourself. He's not saying your, your reasoning is useless, your experiences are useless, your intuition, your instincts. No, 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 no. Don't use any of that. Instead, trust me, no. He's saying instead, well, your experiences, your intuition, your instincts, all of it, all of it, cannot be trusted alone, cannot be trusted in isolation or above all else. In other words, don't put your full weight on that because it can't support you. It will let you down. The author, one author named John Bloom put it this way. He says, by trusting fully in the Lord and not leaning on our own understanding, we're not setting aside our intellect. No, we're not like, stop thinking and trust God. It's not that. Instead, what we're doing is we're resting our intellect upon the intellect of God. And there's nothing wiser or saner than that. We all need, all of us, we need a wisdom that goes beyond our own aptitude and our own intelligence. The older we get, we might start doubting that. We might start thinking, well, I've got so much experience in life. I've learned so many things. I've been through so much. I can now rely on my own understanding. And God says, no, 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 you can't. Don't try. The safest, sanest thing to do is to trust in the Lord. I, I recently learned about a phenomenon called pilot disorientation. Have you heard of this? Or um, spatial disorientation, it's called. It occurs when a, when a pilot is in flight and their, their sensory perception begins to conflict with the information that they're reading on the instruments. What, what happens usually is because there's, there's poor visibility, bad weather, or maybe there's lots of turbulence, there, there's um, abrupt movements, it kind of throws the, the, the pilot off kilter, and, and what happens is um, it results in the pilot losing spatial awareness and becoming completely disoriented so that there's a mismatch between what the, where the, pilot, what the pilot feels and the reality of what's going on. 
So for instance, a pilot may think that they're climbing when in fact they're descending at a very fast rate. This was confirmed for me by a friend who's an airline pilot who's telling me about how the hours and hours of training that they have to go through. Because in these moments, when you're disoriented, what do you need to do? You need to trust the instrument. Your reasoning in that, in that, in that moment is a threat to your life and to the life of whoever else is on the plane. So you need to trust it. But he said, he said it's so hard to trust the instrument because everything in you is telling you one thing and the instruments are telling you another. And so you may very well be descending when you think. So what happens, for instance, let's say a, a plane is dropping. The pilot thinks, no, we're not dropping. In fact, we need to descend a little bit, so let me descend. And so he's descending even faster now into a direct uh, drop out of the air. It's happened. It's, it's what for, I'm, I'm bringing up these, these old, uh, old history, I guess, but, but John F. Kennedy Jr. died under such, such circumstances. Um, Kobe Bryant, more recent history, died, it's believed, under similar circumstances. The helicopter pilot experienced spatial disorientation, didn't trust the instruments ended up crashing the plane and killing everyone, the, the, the vessel and killing everyone on it. So every pilot needs to be trained to rely on the instrument's reading, not on their perceptions, because if they don't trust the instrument's disaster. Now, now, you know where I'm going with this, right? This year, we're all going to have to make very important decisions at points, and sometimes they're going to feel like very big decisions. They're going to have to do with our, with our family, with parenting choices, our relationships, our careers, financial choices, ethical dilemmas that we'll face. They're going to be big decisions that we have to make over the course of the year. But we're also probably going to face lots and lots and lots of smaller decisions that may feel less significant day to day about where to spend our time, what to pursue, what to focus on, what to get angry about, what to not get angry about. And in all of these day-to-day -day decisions, we may find ourselves disoriented. And God is saying, don't trust on your own reasoning. Don't trust in your own understanding. Even in those small daily decisions, and certainly in the big decisions that you'll make this year, in all of them, we can't afford to simply do what feels right in the moment, can we? We've made mis big mistakes that way in the past, haven't we? We can't just do what feels easiest or comes most natural either. The demands and the challenges of this next year might disorient us so that our ability to navigate gets compromised and we'll need to depend completely on the instruments. And, and what are the instruments? I would say the instruments are the objective truth of God's words to us, delivered to us in Scripture, often communicated to us through our brothers and sisters as they counsel and encourage us towards what's wise. Words that we're reminded of by the Spirit himself who lives in us. But the fact is that even when you're not disoriented or you don't feel disoriented, the instruments are still there for a reason. The Word of God is still there for a reason. You see, a pilot would probably say that his or her instincts matter. Their intuition matters. Their experience matters. That's why you have to get thousands and thousands of hours in flight in order to be a trustworthy, licensed pilot. You're, it all matters, but none of that can be leaned on exclusively. Romans 12, 2 talks about 
having our minds renewed. It, it, it tells us to, to, to allow our minds to be transformed over time so that our perspective, even our instincts, will, will more and more align with God's word. That, that's the reality of, of following Christ. Over time, our minds are transformed. We start to think and look at the world more like Jesus does, which is incredible. And yet, and yet, we're told, even as you grow to be more and more wise, still, don't lean on your own understanding. Like, you're never going to get wise enough that you no longer need to trust fully in the Lord. It's an awesome thing to think that our minds can be transformed in this way over time, and yet, and yet, our own instincts and intuition will never become more reliable than what God tells us objectively in his word. Verse 7 says it explicitly. I don't think I have it here on the, let me see if I have it here. No, I don't. But he says in verse 7 of Proverbs chapter 3, the very next verse, says, be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Don't, don't ever think that your own point of view is all you need. Now, if we're going to lean and, and put all our confidence in the Lord and his understanding, what he tells us, then certainly we have to learn to discern his voice, don't we? And, and, and as, I've, as I've already said, his voice is most clearly discernible in Scripture. So we need to receive his word. We need to be studying his word, taking it in all of it, and, and believing it is true and trustworthy. But we also need to discern his voice in the words that we hear from others. The counsel that we receive from others. Is that really from God? We need to know. Is, what I'm, is the advice I'm receiving, does it align with what God has told me in Scripture? We even need to discern God's voice in what we tell ourselves. Because if you're anything like me, your self-talk, the things that you say to yourself, may seem reasonable and sensible in the moment, but upon further reflection, they're lies. Sometimes self-talk can sound dependable and reasonable. The things that I tell myself are the things that you tell yourself about your identity, your worth, your future. But you must ask yourself, am I trusting what God has told me about my identity, my worth, my future? Am I trusting him and what he has told me about me, or is some part of my heart somehow trusting lies? I'll go back to the quote I was going to read earlier. Jerry Bridges, author, some of you may know, he, he said, don't believe everything you think. You can't be trusted to tell yourself the truth. Stay in the word. Now, again, he's not saying question everything. He's not saying you are completely um, undependable and you, you're, you're, he's not gaslighting us, right? He's not saying don't believe anything you think. He's saying, he's saying don't believe everything you think <laughs> because you can't be trusted to always tell yourself the truth. Stay in the word. And that leads us to a question. The question is where are we leaning on our own understanding? Where are you leaning on your own understanding? How can you tell? How can you tell? Well, are you inquiring of God in that area of life? As you navigate it, are you inquiring of God? Are you searching his word? Are you 
asking him for wisdom? Are you, do you make plans prayerfully? Prayerfully? And, not, and when I say make plans prayerfully, I don't just mean, here are my plans, God bless this. But it's a kind of humble, dependent prayer that I think we heard earlier from our, our sister Venus as she was laying down her plans before the Lord, which weren't even plans yet, but this desire to go to the Philippines, which became plans, and yet she's still laying that before the Lord and saying, if this is your will, let it be. Your will be done. Your will be done. Are you evaluating the counsel you receive from others according to God's word? You know, Proverbs 14, 12, it's a passage that I, I it echoes in my, in my head often. I thought I had it here. I'm sorry if I don't. But Proverbs 14, 12 says these simple, it's a simple message, but it's an important one. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Those are chilling words, aren't they? There's a way that seems so, so right to a man like me, a person like you. But God knows where it ends, and its end is the way of death. These words should stun us, because it means that something can seem so right from our perspective, according to my own understanding, but if I lean on that and I walk in that direction, what I find is destruction. Can you relate to this? Have you experienced pain? Have you experienced disaster as a result of poor decisions that at the time when you made them seemed so right? It felt natural, it felt normal. It was maybe even confirmed by some other people. This Proverbs 14.12 is not put there to simply scare us into paralysis. <laughs> No, no, no. I think it's meant to drive us to Proverbs 3, 5, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because, because he will make your path straight. You know, but let's just look quickly at this last, uh, this last um, uh, directive here in, the, in, our, in our verse, in our passage. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The word for acknowledge means to, to know something or someone intimately. So acknowledge here doesn't just mean acknowledge like you acknowledge someone in the room like, hey, hey, friend, what's up? No, no. Acknowledge means to know, to know someone intimately. It can also mean to recognize someone. So the Proverbs are calling us to recognize the Lord in all your ways. Wherever you go, on every path that you find yourself, in every experience you encounter, recognize the Lord's presence there, in it. Know that he is there with you, in it, and look to him for guidance. Don't imagine yourself alone, navigating the twists and turns of life. You are not alone if you are in Christ. It's, it's the sentiment that's expressed so beautifully in Psalm 23, where the the psalmist says, the, the Lord's my shepherd, and, and because he's my shepherd, he, he does all sorts of things. He leads me, he comforts me, he feeds me, he keeps me safe in every circumstance, on every path. And so the Proverbs are saying, acknowledge him. 
one reason, I believe that one reason we might feel so overwhelmed and anxious at times is because we fail to recognize God's presence with us. We're, we act as if he's not there. And, and one of the reasons we make unwise choices that dishonor God, sometimes knowingly make unwise choices that dishonor God, one reason is that we fail to acknowledge him with us. It's as if he's not there. So who cares? Christians, where you go, the Spirit of God goes with you. Your shepherd is present. Wouldn't, wouldn't we be more confident on the one hand? And, and wouldn't we be more careful as well on the other hand if we lived out the spirit of this proverb and we recognized the Lord in all of our ways? In all of our ways. I'm going to end with just looking at the word of final assurance that comes in verse 6. Directives are clear. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Recognize him in everything. And then finally, here's the word of assurance that should comfort us deeply. He will make straight your path. He'll make your path straight. Now, straight path means it'll get you where you need to go. Straight path means the right path. It might not be the easiest path. It might not be the quickest path. It may be difficult and long and frightening, in fact, but it is ultimately the safe path and the good path. This is the promise for all who will trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. It, it, this is our promise, even entering into this new year. It's not the promise of a comfortable new year or even a financially prosperous new year, but it does mean this. It means that the infinitely competent, caring God is directing your path, and he will take you where you need to go. Oh. He will accomplish his perfect will for you. Now, that is meant to be deeply assuring to us, but, but I wonder if for some of us, it might actually be scary, too. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. If you like, especially, if you like to be in control of things, you like to be in control, then, then you want more than maybe just the assurance of a straight path, you want to know what's going to be on this path exactly. Like, what's, what can I expect in this new year? Will my family be healthy? Will I keep my job? Will I find love? Will we be financially secure this year or next year? And the fact is, I don't know. I have no idea. So, so when I say, he will work out his plan for you, he will make your path straight, you might say, great, but I don't know what that plan is, and I don't know what that path is, and that is nerve-wracking. And that's why we need to go back to the beginning. Relax. Trust in the Lord. Shift the full weight of your confidence onto him. Stop leaning on what you know or leaning on what you don't know about this year or next year. Rest on him, on what you know about him. And also, also, as I close, please realize that this wisdom, this isn't just wisdom that's relevant for this life in this world. This word of assurance will ultimately be fulfilled when this life ends. You see, when Christ returns and everyone who's trusted in him has been resurrected, everyone who's trusted in him, not, not just with the circumstances of life, but has trusted him with their eternal destiny, 
You see, if you, if you haven't already done this, trust the Lord to forgive, to accept, to keep you. Uh, shift the full weight of your confidence on him. Confidence for forgiveness, for f- eternal life. He died in your place to secure for you life eternal and your well-being forever. You know, in his crucifixion, Jesus proved, he proved the three C's. When he hung there on the cross and he rose from the grave on the third day, he proved something. He proved that he cares infinitely for you. He proved that he has flawless character. No one else could die in the place of sinners. Only he could die for us and pay the price that we should have paid because his character was flawless, sinless, without blemish. And, and he, pros that he proved that he's competent too. That he had the wherewithal. He knew how to defeat sin and defeat death because he rose again on the third day. He rose. He, is, he has the character. He has the care for us personally. And he is competent, powerful enough, able enough to deserve all of our trust. So, so don't just trust him with your circumstances now. Begin, begin if you haven't already, begin here by trusting him with your soul. And then, and then you will find how trustworthy he is with every other thing in your life.